everybody, Pastor Joe here. Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Today we are continuing our compassion series as we look at how we have compassion for the earth and how our actions and inactions towards one another impacts the ways that we live on this earth. We drew from Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Uh, check it out and enjoy. Uh, this week I had the opportunity to uh, join virtually for a conference called Nexus Convocation. Uh, Nexus is a ministry of the United Methodist Church by, for, and with the next generation of Korean Americans. Uh, and actually, had it not been for the pandemic, the Nexus Convocation would have been here in Seattle with Bothell being one of its primary hosts. It was a great time of worship and connecting with friends and colleagues. I even had the honor of preaching at one of the worship services. But the most meaningful moments for me was during those times of breakout sessions and workshops where we could be with one another. I remember one of those sessions, there was about 12 of us in that room, a Zoom room, and after I gave my presentation on the ways that we as Bothell have adapted our ministries during the pandemic, we were winding down, and, and, and I asked this question. I said, what has been hard for you during these past 18 months? And without fail, every person included in their answer something about being disconnected. And then I asked, what gives you hope moving into the future? You can imagine the stories we shared, you know, people checking in on each other, grocery shopping for the elderly and vulnerable, drive-by birthdays and graduation celebrations, parents and grandparents learning Zoom and FaceTime. Hope was found in the connections that people had with one another. Hope was found in the connection still to have with one another. Now, as I think about that piece, that, that, that piece that continues to be this question for the communities around us today as we navigate through these next few months, especially in light of the Delta variants and the increased needs to care for one another, the question remains, how will we be connected? And rather than answering that with the technical aspects of connection, right, building and facilities and technologies, and rather than answering that with specific desires of how we want to be connected, I wonder if our answer to that question of how will we be connected could be as simple as with compassion. We are still preparing to enter into the next phase of our life together. Starting September 5th, we hope to gather for the first time in over 18 months, both in person and virtually together. And you'll be receiving more information about this in the coming days and months, what this means, what it looks like. If you're not receiving the emails or not following us on social media, I encourage you to do so. But again, let me just say this. Be prepared for it to not feel and look exactly the same as it was before. It may be very different, and frankly, I think it must be. The world has changed. The community has changed. We have changed. But my prayer for us this month is that our commitment to compassion has not changed, that our commitment to compassion stays constant. You know, we started this compassion series last week. We, we laid the foundation for the rest of the month 
as we looked at compassion for self. We're going to look for compassion for others. We're going to look at compassion as transformative. Last week, we talked about the ways that we posture ourselves, clothing ourselves with compassion, making the intentional choice to clothe ourselves with compassion for the days to come. Today, I want to spend a little bit of time looking at the impact of not being compassionate and how our actions carry over to all aspects of the earth. I shared earlier that uh, uh, my family and I, we got to go to Seaside, Oregon this week for a couple of days with some of our family friends. And it was a great chance to have a change of scenery. Uh, and for me, there's, there's just something about being by the ocean. It, it, it lightens the stress. It, it lightens the anxiety that I sometimes carry without even knowing. I felt myself freer. The rhythm of the waves helped to be conscious of my breath. The healing breeze of the ocean wind. The feel of the sand between my toes that grounded me. You know, I didn't really understand it then, but I remember when I first moved uh, here to this region, to the Puget Sound region from New York six years ago, you know, uh, Joanne and I, we would go around uh, sometimes meeting people uh, in our community as people who are part of our church, sometimes meeting people for the first time, uh, people not connected to our church community, and always I, I would take on this role of pastor, right? Obviously, uh, this was the case for people that I knew and the people who knew me. They knew me as Pastor Joe. But with the people that I was meeting with for the first time, we'd be sitting at a coffee shop or at a bar or in a restaurant, and they'd ask, so, so what do you do? <laughs> I'd say, I'm a pastor. And, and as we would continue our conversation, we would talk about spirituality and, and being connected to God or the divine or the sacred or the holy. And more often than not, being in nature would come up in these conversations. I, I didn't get it then, but I do now. For those of you who hike or camp or sail, who go into these spaces to be alone with God or to go to find deep intimacy and vulnerability with others in those spaces, watching the sunrise and the sunset, experiencing the vastness of God and perhaps the abundance of God's love. And yet today, the reality is that we see the world around us often in despair. Perhaps you've seen the Volvo commercial that recently came out. They call it the ultimate safety test. Uh, they take us viewers into the factories where they show all kinds of different collisions from the front and from the side and from the back. Uh, collisions to measure safety. They show the airbags uh, uh, coming out. And at the end, they drive uh, in a Volvo uh, across this gorgeous Arctic scenery. And they get to this Arctic test facility where, where a car is hanging from a crane a hundred foot in the, air, in the world. And the narrator says, this is the big one. This is the ultimate test. And the glacier behind him crumbles into the ocean. It fades to black with, with the words, climate change is the ultimate test. 
Greenhouse gases are causing extreme weather patterns that encroach upon animal habitats, causing these polar ice caps to melt and forest fires to rage. Harmful chemicals and, and packaging plastics are being amply overused in agriculture. Cities are facing clean water, drinking shortages. Oceans are being polluted, destroying coral reefs and endangering the sea life that threatens the already fragile balance of our ecosystem. And I think our texts this morning would remind us that this is an impact of the ways humans treat one another. This is an impact of the ways that humans treat one another. We don't actually know much about the prophet Hosea. He was writing to the northern kingdom of Israel during the late 8th century BCE, somewhere between 750 and 724 BCE. King Jeroboam uh, had the second, uh, uh, Jeroboam, excuse me, King Jeroboam the second had just died after ruling uh, peacefully for 40 years and, and Israel enters into an especially turbulent period of their lives of the next six kings to come after him to ascend the throne during the writing of Hosea, all but one died violently for them being assassinated. There was corruption on all levels of leadership, and the Assyrian kingdom was about to invade, eventually conquering Israel in 721 BCE. The social inequities between the rich and the poor become even more apparent, widening the gap between the haves and the haves-nots. Resources are being used to sustain a war with their neighboring kingdom of Judah to the south, and they pay tributes to other kingdoms, leading to the richer classes, exploiting the lower classes in order to pay off these debts, often leading to fraud and cheating. And meanwhile, Israel turns away from God. They turn to the rituals and customs and cultures of those who conquered them, who invaded them. They're worshiping uh, foreign gods like Baal, and they forget the commandments of the God who was faithful to them, who delivered them from slavery into this land. And out comes Hosea a prophet who speaks to the people. Walter Brueggemann, he reminds us that prophets have as their primary function the reassertion and application of the old traditions in ways which are relevant and compelling for the present community. He says, the prophets did not ground their message in novel ideas of their own, but they can be understood only in terms of their frequent appeal to the memories of tradition. In other words, Hosea comes to the people as they find themselves in difficult times, lost in their sense of identity and how to be God's people, and he doesn't have some new teachings or some new revelations from God to tell them. He, he takes the old word from God, and he reminds them, hey, love God and love neighbor. Be faithful to the one who has been and is faithful to us. Follow the covenant that God made with us. It's that simple, repeated message over and over. Love God and love neighbor. So we get to our text and God brings an indictment, a charge against the inhabitants of the land, against God's people, Israel, that there is no faithfulness, no loyalty, no knowledge of God. And then get this, they're swearing and lying and murder and stealing and adultery, all that break out. Bloodshed follows 
bloodshed. I wonder if those sound familiar. Because back in Exodus, and then again in Deuteronomy, a guy named Moses goes up a mountain to collect some tablets, to collect some laws. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor your mother and father. And now listen to these next five. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not lie. You shall not covet. The things that are happening in Hosea's time, the things that God brings to the people as an indictment of the ways things are going mirror the Ten Commandments. And here's what's interesting. Hosea doesn't use the first five of them. Hosea specifically cites the commandments that deal with the ways that people treat people. Right? Oh, Israel, you've lost your way. You've turned from God. See, you hurt one another by swearing, lying, murdering, stealing, adultery, and bloodshed. Slying, swearing, murder, stealing, adultery, and bloodshed. All the ways that we hurt one another. Therefore, verse 3, therefore, the land mourns, and the wild animals, and the birds of the air, even the fish of the sea, are perishing. Therefore, your actions, which hurt one another, your actions are destroying the earth. Last week, we we talked about the importance of our posture, about making the choice to put on compassion, to clothe ourselves with compassion. And it's important to remember that in not making that choice, there are actual consequences. There is an actual impact in the ways we choose to go about our lives as we hurt one another through greed, through selfishness, through violence in our words and in our deeds, in the ways that we treat one another. Therefore, the land mourns. Church, I don't know what these next days or weeks or months will be like for our community and for this community, but I I know that we need to be intentional in the ways that we prepare for all that is ahead. I don't want to only be reactive to the things that are happening around us. I, I truly believe that we are called to be proactive in the ways we are becoming Christ in the community, whatever community might mean, and in doing so. We become part of creating a transformed world by taking on compassion, by remembering that our actions have impacts to one another and to the world. We might be able to live into God's preferred future, one of life and of love, one of healing and hope. So this week, I want to invite you to be intentional in the ways that we treat one another. What are our words? What are our actions? What are our postures that might be hurting one another? And let's see how the Spirit moves and how the Spirit leads us through these acts of compassion, through this posture of compassion that we might see transformation. Amen?
Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this time together and for the gift it is to be in community. Thank you for the joy it is to worship together, united in your love. God, we pray that you would continue to inspire us to be mindful of our words and our deeds and our actions. We pray that you would inspire us to be compassionate towards one another, that we might see abundance for the world, that we might see hope and love and joy and peace come into fruition, that we might be part of that life-transforming work. Inspire us to be bold as your people, for it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, that was our latest sermon of our Compassion Series. Hopefully you found something that you could take away from and be inspired to uh, be intentional in the ways that you can be compassionate in all you say and do this week. Uh, Stick around later on this week for another episode of Bothell Amplified. We will see you then.